and Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Everybody, welcome to Miller and Condon. It's Des Moines Sports Station, one hundred six point three KXNO. Trent Condon, Ken Miller's. We get our work week underway here for the next couple of hours, talking sports with you. Thanks for tuning in uh, this morning. BMW of Des Moines guest list. Been a couple of weeks since we've spoken with our friend Scott Dockerman from the Athletic. He has been very busy uh, pumping out a bunch of content over there. We'll get into uh, a lot of that coming up here with Doc at a little half hour or so from right now. Matt Snyder's on vacation. Ryan Fagan from the Sporting News will pinch hit for Snyder. Ryan Fagan uh, covers Major League Baseball for the Sporting News. He will join Trent and I at 11.05 and then Nick Oson, who was very busy along with the Cyclone Media covering a a bunch of events, uh, recruiting stories one after another at CycloneAlert.com. And Nick Oson will join us, and he will opine on that, maybe the latest. If there is to be any more movement on T.J. Otzelberger's roster, we haven't spoken with Nick since A.J. Green made it official, uh, that he is going to stay in the uh, NBA draft. So that's the BMW Des Moines guest list. Before we get out of here, we'll uh, get Trent's plays of the day. Circus Sports sponsors it. How was your weekend? Pretty good, yeah. We had the birthday party, had the inflatable in the backyard. It went well so 13 girls run around the backyard being crazy and yep. no injuries nothing oh, like that's, that that's yeah, good that was positive yep. never know what those big inflatables but yeah we had a great time so what did that set you back what does that cost to rent i have no it idea was like a couple hundred bucks yeah 350 uh-huh. something like that so it For was the huge. whole weekend well we got it friday night yeah and they picked it up sunday morning All so right. yeah it was worth it you know you look at some of the rentals you go some different places and it gets pricey all of a sudden yeah. we we're kind of going back and forth eh, it's a little more than we were thinking but you know what? She'll remember that one Absolutely. for her whole life. So, And it was in your backyard, right. which, which is good in its own right. Uh, so let's get into the sports from over the weekend. Um, you know, again, kind of thought Boston would put up a little bit more of a fight. I thought Golden State would probably get out, you know, get on the airplane with the series tied one apiece. They'd be, you know, up against it if they didn't. But my, oh, my. I mean, the Trent, this is 52 50 mm-hmm. at halftime. And then look out below. Well, and there was that stretch where. Golden State opened it up a little bit in the third quarter, mm-hmm. and it got to six. And you saw Steve Kerr, and he was he was mad. Steve Kerr from the get go, you saw, was in that game, mm-hmm. and he was hanging out a half court. Yep. I mean, he pacing a couple of feet on the floor uh-huh. a few times. He was as locked in as you're going to see an NBA coach. And there was that point. I think it was sixty eight, sixty two. I think it's the yeah. six point okay. deficit that Boston saw, and Kerr told his guys get up, and you could tell he was fuming. And right after that. Shots started falling, and by the end of the third quarter, the Jordan Poole shot. That's right, come on. Steps past the three-point line. Yeah, you see half-quarters and guys on the run, yeah. you hoist it up there, and guys hit that shot. Sure. That was basically a step back. I know. From 40 feet. I know. It just, you don't do that. It and was, he it, did that. At that time, it was, you know what, let's go see what's Cubs cards. Let's finish that game off. And that's exactly where I was. And, and watched extra endings and, and watched that one finish up because you knew it was over. And flip back a couple of times, but it was just Golden State's night. Mm-hmm. The shots continued to go. I love that moment, though, at the end of the quarter with Steph kind of smiling behind Jordan Poole. And then they see each other and they kind of lock eyes. Yeah. And he comes up and gives him a high five. And, and it was something, because I am sure... 
that they work on that. You know, that they're screwing around together and they're doing those kind of, hey, you think he can hit a step back from half court? And he hit that to end the quarter. It's just that moment where they need a Jordan Poole. If they're going to win this series. it didn't happen in the first game. No. Yep. And go back even to the Western Conference Finals. It's not the Jordan Poole certainly we've seen mm, at times. Yeah. He's had some struggles. Early in the playoffs, yep. He was, he was better. I agree. And with Clay struggling. What's wrong there? Is it is is it the injuries of back to back years that he's missed for the most part? I mean, because right. um, he's not the same player. No, but also, I mean, the elimination game in Dallas, he had thirty two. Well, he, he does have them. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, and you still have to guard him. It, it's not like you know. I've heard but the you theory. Expected when the ball left his hand before yeah. training, you thought, oh, that's good. He's still not at a spot, though, where he's unplayable. Mm-hmm. Even when he's struggling with the shot. He's no, I'm not him. saying put him on the bench. Because there's that theory out there that if it continues uh. this route, he has too much goodwill. He has built up enough mm-hmm. equity where even if he is struggling. Just like like you just said. I mean, every now and then, he's still got these. Right. He still, you know, can turn the clock back a little bit. Uh, what did he finish last night? 12? 11. 11. In a game where you win by 20 or plus minus, is zero. Yeah. Something to keep in just in the background. I'm not freaking out. Mm-mm. I'm not going to go hot take artists and say, you got to bench Clay Thompson. No. What did you think of the official? One of the big talkers today is, is Draymond Green, them letting him off the hook mm-hmm. uh, and not teeing him up for the second time in the game. You know what? And, and I'm glad they went to Steve Javi. Uh, the the, uh, the ABC crew went to Steve Javi, who's their NBA official. And he's really good, by mm-hmm. the way. Um, and he admitted, and like we we know what's we we know who's on the cusp of getting tossed, right? And I had no problem with that. I didn't think it was egregious. No, I mean he's certainly been worse. Well, he has, and that's what you're going to get with Draymond, right? He's, yeah, that's his game. He's always he's, he's an up. agitator. Yeah, he's those RPMs are always uh-huh. in the red, right? And there's going to be times that it tops out, but there's also times he's already got one, and he, and you have to look at that as official mm-hmm. and. Take that aside. You don't want to take him out of a finals game. If this is game 41, yeah. he's gone. He's gone. Right. He's running, and, and, but that's different. Uh-huh. Go, go back to the Cleveland Championship where Draymond's not there for the yeah. final game because yeah. of LeBron <laughs> coaxing him into mm-hmm. getting that and, yep. and ultimately how that turned yep. out and how that played out. So, yeah, officials, and it doesn't matter if you're talking about a technical and giving a guy a second or if a guy's got a fifth foul and giving him the sixth or in college or high school, fourth and giving him the fifth. Officials know. Mm-hmm. And if they don't know, I think that's a bigger problem. Call it the way you'd always call it. No, that's just not the way that not you officiate. In the final. It wasn't not egregious. in general. I, I don't think in general. I, if it's game forty-one and it's down and it's down to the wire and you're making that decision, mm-hmm. same kind of thing. You have to know time and space. You have to understand that as an official. Mm-hmm. It's it's a part of the game. It's a part of officiating. So I was with you. I had no problem at all with it. You do adjust. You do have to change. It is not black and white. The same thing. Oh, if it's a foul, with there's 20 minutes left in the game, yeah. it should. It just that's not the way it is. Right. Live in reality. I'm always about reality. It's great in theory to have those ideas, but that's not the world we live in. You have to understand that different circumstances lead to different calls, and I think they made the right. I'm totally time. with you on that, Trent. I could could not agree with. And maybe because we want a longer series. Well, time. we do, and we're going to get one now. Is it's, it's a one apiece as they head back to Boston. So Wednesday, Wednesday, and then the relatively quick turnaround. Finally, <laughs> uh, but that's it, though. Yeah. I mean, they have that um, uh, the Wednesday, Friday, and then we go back to the the, uh, the pace that we're on right now for the remaining games as they stretch us out, which is which is just fine by us. Kind of wild though, right? That they play Wednesday, Friday. But they don't play on the weekend. They play again on then on Monday. Yeah, right. Right, because of the two day yeah. two off days. Yeah. 
That is weird. I yeah. understand why yeah, stay away from Saturday you, night. Yeah, but Sunday night? Right. Would it make more sense to go Tuesday, Tuesday Friday, or Tuesday, Sunday? Friday, or Tuesday, Thursday? Yeah, I don't know. Well, now, we're not TV executives. No, but you want Sunday night. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you have to be the TV. What else is on Sunday night that they're staying away from on ABC? <laughs> I mean, I'm asking you. America's Funniest Home Videos? <laughs> Maybe. A rerun right. uh, of that. Uh, you know what was really enjoyable this past weekend was Cubs cards. It was, yeah. It was really fun. Watched it, a lot more than I anticipated, I did, too. too. I did not see... So I watched the first couple innings on Friday, and then I got busy for the rest of the afternoon. So I, so I didn't see the um, I didn't see the, the Cardinals blow them out. Yeah, because it was yeah the Cubs were up early mm-hmm. uh, Thursday night, and then watched both games on um, on Saturday night. Certainly uh, the whole game on su- Saturday afternoon. I was in and out watching hockey on on Saturday night, and then last night Sunday night baseball. It's a fun game. Look. The Cardinals won the series, if you want to call it that, three games to two. But uh, Saturday night and Sunday night, they both they had to go to extra innings. So it's not like the Cubs rolled over. I mean, the Cardinals are a really good baseball team. They are. With some really difficult decisions, what they're going to do with these young guys once they get some of their guys back. But this is a fun team to watch. I heard a stat. You know what it was? It was it was Rick Morrissey wrote about, uh, wrote about this. You know, the difference in the two markets. The Cubs are seemingly... Taking the year off, right? <laughs> right yeah, yeah. They're rebuilding. It's air rebuilding. Quote, yeah. Air quote, rebuild. Cardinals never do that. Cardinals are a small market team, relatively speaking. Mm-hmm. I did not know this. That has been since, two. you have to go back to 2007 for the last time for the Cardinals had a losing record at the end of the year. Wow. Can you imagine? No. Man, I know I, I came up with, a, I don't know, if I, death taxes Cardinals in the postseason. Yeah. It's kind of accurate, right? It is. 2007? That's Since nuts. the last time they had a losing record? I mean, I, I, I guess Cardinal fans are a little bit spoiled by the, you know, the results of this, of this uh, franchise. My God. Goldschmidt, the hitting streak finally comes to an end. Yeah, it did. But he is just locked in. Mm-hmm. You can see that he from the He had a good go. weekend. You know who else, too? Bader. My yeah. God. He... Hits the crap out of the baseball at Wrigley Field. They can't get him off the base paths. No, not at all. And that hair too. I don't know who who's the hair. Him and uh, uh, his teammate Donovan, uh, or is it Donahue? No, it's Donovan. Donovan yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Brendan Donovan. Yeah, yeah, the kid they brought up, and they got a decision to make with him because mm-hmm. he looks as though he belongs uh, with Tyler O'Neill out. But boy, those dudes got some hair. <laughs> him, Bo- those two, and Bobichette. I've got hair envy here this morning. I can tell. I, 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 bit, I can right? tell. Yachty. He's looking old, isn't he? He is, but you know who's not? Wainwright. No, not at all. Wainwright continues to pitch as you know what. Yeah, Yachty. Yachty's come to the end. Poolhos has come to the end. Yeah. they they walk away after this year. Did they march into the Hall of Fame together? We know Poolhos is a first balloter. Is Yachty? He's got to be first ballot. Man, he best catcher of his era. Okay, Buster Posey fans, I hear you. Mm Mm-hmm. But he's right there. Uh, right there. Salvador Perez fans, he's mm-hmm. better. He's, his numbers are better. He's got, what, eight years on him, too, mm-hmm. before Sal catches right. up. But, yeah, first ballot. It did, It doesn't feel like it to me. Mm-hmm. You're not alone, alone, by the way. Yeah. You're not alone. Hall of Famer, yes. Mm-hmm. At some point. First ballot, no. Right. That's where I would be without really make digging him, deep. Make him, you know, tick up the ladder as the yes. years go by. 
year he'll one, get 60%. There. Yeah, he'll get there. Year two, 71, he's up to seven, right? And then so the 30, close. and then he breaks yeah, it. I could see that happening. I, I, I could see that happening. But this Cardinal team, they're playing exceptionally well. Uh, the uh, uh, they got a, the Padres did them a favor. Mm-hmm. We've got a hell of a race. We've yeah. got a hell of a race in the Central at the top of that division. Brewers a half a game up as they get set to begin play here today. And the Cardinals have a game in hand. When do those two teams play next? Ooh. Cups Cards is going to be appointment TV down the stretch. Let me get the schedule in front of me for the Brewers and the Cardinals. So they play a two-gamer late in the year, 27th and 28th of September. But there's two more series after that. Milwaukee finishes with the Marlins and the D-backs. Advantage? Wow. Yeah. And before that, the Reds. Mm Mm-hmm. With four. The Reds, as we've talked about, are at least a competent major league team, not opposed to what they were. No, Brewers Brewers will host St. Louis two weeks from today. They begin a four-game series. So they've got a lot of games to play amongst each Mm -hmm. other. This is going to be a heck of a fight because right now, if I had to um, get into my app and bet my money, I I think I'm wrong. I don't think the Brewers are going to prevail. No. And this, this Cardinal team, there's just something about them. The Offense for the Brewers still has issues. Mm-hmm. Although they hit home runs. Yelich is getting a tick better, uh-huh. but it's still obviously... No, he's not the same guy. No, not even close. Right. Not even close to what he was. And we've been waiting for them just kind of... That offense to kind of catch up with the pitching. But even the pitching, you know, with the injuries that the Brewers mm-hmm. have gone through right now, mm-hmm. this is not the staff nope. that I think we anticipated nope. we were going to see. Now, Hader's been great right. at the back of the rotation. Yep. Or at the back of the bullpen, rather. Yeah, Lauer's been good. Mm-hmm. Um, Woodruff's DL'd, right, still? He I is, think he yeah. is, yeah. Burns has been, eh. Peralta's been, eh. Yeah. Because we anticipated those guys. And mm-hmm. in a year where Lauer's made kind of a leap, mm-hmm. everybody else kind of taking yeah. a step back. Even, well, certainly Woodruff, but even Burns to a certain extent has taken at least a, a half step back overall. I'm with you. I'd be on the Cardinals think, right now. I think the Cardinals are the uh, the team to bet if we had to do it again right now. We'll see. They've got a lot of games left to play between the two of them. So, um, which, which as a baseball fan, better for us, right? But the Cardinals are, they've got my undivided attention. And I thought the uh, the Brewers were going to run away with this. All right, we'll go, we'll go to the phone lines. Jeff has been patient. He will join the program as he does periodically from time to time throughout the week. Hello, Jeff. Welcome. What's on your mind? Well, let's talk uh, a little in-depth uh, NBA Finals last night. Um, first of all, it's hilarious to me, uh, TV analysts or these bozos out there. You know, you want to give Boston all this credit about their length and how they defend. How about Golden State to start the game and pretty much all the way through the game with their length and how they defend? If you guys watched, I mean, you guys said you guys were kind of going in and out, but if you watched the first quarter, no, I saw that it was, yeah. it was. I mean, it was a moment there where you're like, okay, this is just how Boston defends. And let's not forget, Golden State, by the numbers, is the second best defensive team in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Celtics are number one. Right. Num- number two. Let's talk about Steph Curry. Everybody wants to throw Steph Curry under the bus, and well, he didn't do nothing in the second half in the first game. How about last night? How did he do last night? He flipped it around. He had, what do you have, 10 or 11 after the first quarter and then really got going and didn't play in the fourth. He didn't have to play in the fourth. Maybe those haters were watching Holy Moly on ABC. I don't know. Maybe they missed it. But one of his plays, it's called a show-and-go, and this is what really upset uh, the Boston coaching staff. So he goes up on a pick-and-roll. I believe it was tight. It's called a show-and-go where you just kind of show and then you run off. Well, you can't run off Steph Curry. 
So then Curry hits it from about 25. And then two possessions later, I don't know how you lose Steph Curry in transition. Golden State is at their best, and where they can win is when they get a turnover and they push it in transition. For some reason, you can't lose Steph Curry in transition. All of us know that. That's in the scouting report. I don't know how that happened. Number three, you guys touched base on Clay Thompson. Here's what I see. Boston's doing a phenomenal job in the scouting report running Clay off the three-point line. So what is Clay not the best at? His ball handling, shooting off the bounce, shooting a mid-range or shooting a fadeaway. I'm not saying he can't make it. What I'm saying is that's not his game. Now, if you remember a couple years ago when he put up 60, he dribbled 11 times. <laughs> at, okay? So they're asking, I mean, Clay dribbled 11 times in the first quarter. So I just think they got to go back to the basics with Clay. I'm not nervous. I mean, Trent kind of said, oh, you know, there could be people out there saying to maybe bench him or do yeah. this, do that. Again, if you watched last night, when the game was out of hand, was Clay Thompson in the game? Yeah, he was. You know why? Because they're trying to build his confidence. confidence. Get him going. Yeah. Get, get him going for game three and beyond. I have, and again, I thought Clay did very well defensively last night. They were praising Clay Thompson up and down defensively. It's just going to take a couple go down the hoop. You're going to see it in game three. They need Clay. If you remember, we talked about it Friday night. If they're going to win the championship, they're going to need Clay to step up more than just one game. They need him consistent to give him 15 to 18 points. Thanks, guys. Jeff, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Well, we got a series. That's the mm-hmm. that's the biggest takeaway from the game last night. Look, Clay Thompson was one for eight last night from behind three. You can't bench him. Anybody that's calling for him to be benched. But you watch him. Yes. You absolutely watch him if it's... And Gary Payton made a huge difference. Oh, he, and you know what he did that on the defensive end of the floor as well? Hitting that three, obviously. Okay. Because they said before game one, he still couldn't lift his arm all the way up. Oh. He just... Well, you go back and they showed that shot again from the Memphis Street. Man, Mm -hmm. that was was vicious. It was. Dylan Brooks. Got him good. Yeah. Holy mackerel. But to hit that shot, all right, at ease. And then what he does Uh defensively. And him flying around and him and Draymond together. Just the way that they're able to come out and hedge and then switch. And it completely changes what they are defensively. And as Jeff just said there, we talk about Boston's defense all the time. But you've made sure to mention a lot, too. They're both. Golden State's really good, too. Yeah. Second in the league in defensive mm-hmm. efficiency this year. This is also a really good defense. Yeah, you hear team. Golden State and you think three pointers yeah. going in. You don't the think about the yeah, that's, that's where your mind goes. Uh-huh. But this is also an excellent defensive team. And with Peyton out there, it ratches it up to a really a different level. Igadala gave it a go, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. they're so much better with Peyton as opposed to Andre. No, they are, Trent. And I go back to that injury. You know, I didn't realize. The that when he fell to the floor, that his elbow took the brunt of it. I mean, I was watching the club to the head, right, right in the neck bend the way it did, and then when he hit the floor, I mean, he, the elbow. Um, well, I did not know that, but they do need him. They certainly do need him, and defensively last night he was terrific. So we've got ourselves a series. Um, the series. Price Boston is now back to favorite, right? Slight favorite? Let's uh, take a look here because I just had the baseball ones up. I'm going to give you these division odds. I think you're going to be surprised also. Let's uh, take a look here. Series prices in the NBA as I'm scrolling through. I'll say very tight favorite. Boston, you said. Yep, Boston's got to be a slight favorite. All right. No, you know what? Golden State's a slight favorite. Let's go... I'm clicking around here, as always, of course. Here we go. All right, found it. Uh, Golden State, tight. It's, it's really tight either way. This is DraftKings. Yeah. 
Boston minus 115, Golden State minus 105. You're not getting plus money on either. I don't know about that. You had a bet right now. What would you make? Golden Stain. You would. I think I would. After. I think. Look, here's what I think. You are such a creature of the moment. I know. (laughs) It gets you every time. (laughs) I think. This is why you do not bet day to day. No, I know. I hate it. I won't do it. (laughs) I think that we're going to get a split in the next two. I think that this series is going to be two apiece. And if that's the case, Mm -hmm. and that's how I see it, I think Golden State will prevail. It's fair. Fair way to look at it. I'm still on Boston. Are you? I'm not relenting from what I've look, seen. Look, I cash a bigger ticket if Boston wins. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I think Golden State will win the you, series. You ready for some baseball futures? Yeah, what's the, what's, what's the point spread Wednesday, first of all? Did you see that? I uh, did not. Let me bring it up here. Da, da, da. Celtics a slight favorite? We have, yeah, Boston's going to be favored. But Three and my, a half. Th- uh, more than I thought. Three and a half. Okay. Going to be the number there. Baseball futures. All right, here we go. You're right. It is still Milwaukee the favorite. Mm-hmm. How big of a favorite? What do you think you can get the Cardinals right now? Uh, to win the division? Win the division. Oh, man. Plus one, I don't know. What is it? 195. I was going to say 180. So you can get the Cardinals at plus 195. That's juicy. That is. In fact, I had a $10 free bet that I just used on that. <laughs> Thank you, DraftKings. From DraftKings, okay. Brewers minus 265. There's no, not a way in no, the no, world. No, 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 no. I would bet that price. Now I also Now they may have. win, but not at that price. Because before the season, we talked about it. We went through. I had 1-2 exact to finish. Brewers mm-hmm. 1, Cardinals 2. So I already have that in my back pocket. I hedge at 195 with the Cardinals. I really like that right now. Let's go to the American League Central, where your favorite... It's not the team in first place. Is that is is come on? Is this, is it the White Sox again? The White Sox minus one. So what do you get the Twins at Trent? I watched your Twins uh-huh. knock the crap out of the baseball in, at Rogers Center over the weekend after being anemic in Detroit. They, how many home runs did they hit? Now I, I don't. I'm going to guess over the weekend they had to hit eight, nine. They hit a bunch. Had a couple yesterday. Uh huh. Had Friday night a bunch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they probably had, yeah, 79, probably, right in that range. And they hit they hit the ball well against Jay's pitching. And in a team that was depleted with the bullpen, mm-hmm. had four guys that were not able to make the trip, including Max Kepler, who offensively had been probably the second most consistent guy this year. Mm-hmm. And you go up there and take two or three against a Toronto team that was playing excellent. No, they were red hot. They'd won seven in Is that what it was? Yeah. It was, yeah. Going into Friday night. I, that's that's a big time win. No, it's good. That's a good series win for the Twins. But Chicago's still favored. Minus 105 for the White Sox. The Twins plus 120. You're, get, you're getting it. Uh, there's a team favored that is below 500 mm-hmm. uh, on uh, the 6th of June. Crazy. They are 25 and 27. The White Sox are. The Guardians are now in front of them in second place, a half game up. The Twins with a four and a half game lead over the Guardians. I looked at the Tigers for a moment. They're eighty to one. No. What are the Twins to win the division? Plus one twenty. Okay. I, I see the wheels turning over there. Yeah. And the Astros are overwhelming in the West now. Uh let's see. National American League West. Yeah. Eight minus eight hundred. Um, the Angels have lost eleven in a row. Does yeah. Joe Madden? I mean, when 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 does? Well, we saw what happened to the Phillies against the Angels this weekend. Right. Girardi fired. They won three straight. You saw the Grand Slam, I'm sure. Oh, my God. That moment. Yeah. That went crazy. Bryce Harper, yeah. the elation in the crowd. Well, that was, and it was him, too. Yes. I mean, the face of the franchise, right? 
absolutely it just was. an incredible moment. Now, I didn't see it live. Mm-hmm. Same, yeah. I just saw the highlight. Mm-hmm. But there was a, a view basically from a, a shot kind of on the side. And you see Harper. Just absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the Angels, 11 losses in a, low, a row, plus 750. Astros are home free. National League West, the Dodgers, minus 280. Padres, plus 310. Giants nine to one took. Uh, uh, did they sweep? Was it th- uh, Brewers pods a four game set or three? They won three. three yeah. So they swept them then over, over the weekend. Padres and they're going to get Tatis back. Um, How about the National League East? Mets, Mets minus three sixty. Braves are back over five hundred though. Yeah, but they're not going to catch. Here them. come the Bravos. I don't think so. No. Seven the, to two. The Dodgers and the Mets was a fun series this weekend. Finally, the American League East. Yankees minus two eighty. They're a huge favorite, three to one for the Blue Jays. Not enough for me to nope. Like, even they won't think catch the, um, the Yankees. Are they the best team in baseball? Yeah, and they can still get better. They can still get better. Toronto the, can't pitch, Trent. Toronto cannot pitch. The Rays at twelve to one is winking at me. Okay. If I was going to take a shot on somebody, well, yeah. If I was going to um, twist your arm, mm-hmm. I would tell you, uh, you know, bypass the Jays. Yeah, seven and a half back for the Blue Jays. Rays are eight back. Red Sox. They're playing better. Back. I mean, they're 500. Right. They're digging out of a hole. Mm-hmm. And they easily can still get in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And you want to see the Red Sox in the first round? No. 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 Uh, Especially if Chris Sale's back, being Chris Sale. <laughs> as, it sits, as it stands today, are the three wildcard teams all out of the American League East? I think they are. As it sits today? As, as we get as, uh, today. Because yes. the, Angels, the Angels are no longer in the playoffs. Yep. That's what it is. So your first round series would be Twins-Red Sox. Gross. Blue Jays Rays in the other division round. In the National League, it would be Brewers against the Giants and Padres Cardinals uh, with the wild card matchup there. Mm. That'd be a good series. Padres Cardinals? Yeah, I'll say. That'd be a real good one. Uh, Cardinals are playing well. We will take a timeout. Scott Dockerman is going to join us. He covers Iowa, covers the Big Ten. He's their scheduling guru over at The Athletic. Look forward to catching up with Doc. We'll do that next. Ryan Fagan from the Sporting News is going to join us to kick off the second hour of the program. An Iowa State conversation. Big recruiting weekend uh, in Ames this past weekend. Nick Olson was there. He will uh, just tell us what he learned from the weekend when he joins us about 11.30. Miller and Condon underway on a Monday. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 106.5. All right, uh, 10.35 on a Monday, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Let's get right to our first guest of the week. Scott Dockerman uh, covers Iowa and the Big Ten and scheduling. Wears a lot of hats at The Athletic. We're grateful as subscribers for that. Hello, Doc, Trent, and Ken. How are you? I'm great, guys. How are you this fine Monday? Doing well. Doc, we got a lot of ground to catch up with you. Um, I want to start with the uh, you're um, seemingly the go-to guy when it comes to scheduling uh, at The Athletic, or certainly one of them, and not necessarily just you know when it pertains to Iowa, but uh, across college football. A lot of divisions are wrestling with the eight or nine games, and if it is nine, what do we do? What do you think? Will there be consensus, Doc? What seems to be the most likely that we see here after 2025, pursuant to how uh, scheduling is handled? Yeah, nine games will not go away. That That is one thing that is absolute going forward, and the large part of that is that the Big Ten's content and uh, generates such high ratings that you just don't want to sacrifice any of that. There was some discussion early on 
in January, you know, when the alliance was semi-consummated, that they would cut down to eight games and then uh, talk and then play, you know, an ACC or Pac-12 opponent. But when you look at what the ratings generate for Big Ten versus what they do for those two leagues, it's not even close. I mean, there were 32 games involving Big Ten teams that had at least three and a half million viewers. And Hmm. the numbers, uh, I think, are six and four for the other two, and none of those games involved uh, just one another for the ACC. So the Big Ten was going to keep nine no matter what. The question is, are they going to eliminate divisions? And it seems that that is the case. But to what format after that, that's where the questions lie is uh, how many protected games will there be? Uh, will there be one, two, three? Uh, my anticipation is that the, the discussion is going to center around between two and three. And uh, that's where it gets really dicey for teams like Iowa, where you could say that there really are three games that they really want to protect every year and which one kind of goes if, mm. if that's the case. So. Um, it's really going to be up to Gary Barta to, to kind of wave that flag if he wants to and uh, not give in too early and, and see if he can get that done. Otherwise, um, I think they could be centering on two for the Big Ten. So, Doc, that, they will leave that uh, up to the athletic directors to, to make that dis- determination as to what rivals they want to remain? Who's, who's ultimately going to make that decision? It comes down to a conversation. I mean, the, the league office and ultimately Kevin Warren would make that final decision. But but all those discussions are among the athletic directors, kind of like it was during Legends of Leaders when everything was, was deciphered and decided. And they kind of come to that conclusion. And, and there is a vote. And most of the time, the the you know, it's, it's never going to be like a eight to six vote on something like this. So they'll be pretty much unanimous uh, to do what's best in the Big Ten's uh, offering. So that that's what's going to end up happening. And based on my conversations in Chicago with uh, some of the ADs that, you know, a Penn State, for instance, was like, well, we just don't really have any interest in protecting any rivals. And, you know, and you got Maryland and Rutgers that are maybe in the same boat. But then you have Iowa and Minnesota that, you know, have two or three, you know, especially Iowa has three. Um, So, you know, and and they're not going to just put it down to one because, let's face it, is Michigan really not going to face Michigan State every year? So I think think it's going to be two. I even wrote that what they should do is just protect the ones that need protecting. It doesn't matter the number. But but we'll see. They, They have time, and they're not they're not really trying to rush this the way they did with Legends of Leaders. Doc, uh, one thing that really jumped out from the Charlie Jones decision I, I found very interesting was the SEC has talked about putting in a, a mandate in place. Mm-hmm. If you're going to transfer within your conference, that's fine. We're, we're not going to do that. We can't go through spring football and then do that. Say, same kind of thing. Whatever it may be, whatever the sport may be, some kind of drop-dead date, you can still transfer in the conference. We're, we're not doing that. We're not going to allow you to go through spring practice and then a couple months later suit up against a conference rival. Do you like that idea, or is it is it putting yet another hurdle there that hasn't been that'll be difficult to negate? I do. I, I, I think it makes it. sense, and it and it's uh, you know February first for the SEC, and they put that in, and and again, yeah, as you mentioned, there are players who left different SEC schools for other ones. And it, it does help. And I, and I agree that, you know, you have a player that goes through spring and then all of a sudden, voila, ends up on another roster. I mean, it did benefit Iowa slightly when Oliver Martin did that. And they did actually play that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you don't really want that happening. Now, where 
the, there wasn't a real priority on that. When, when I was there, we did ask about it, and it wasn't uh, really – it wasn't a big topic. You know, and I think the media rights arrangement and divisional play and overall NIL takes precedent. But that said, this is something that probably should happen for the Big Ten because, you know, what's going to happen, you know, when the second – the number two uh, Ohio State quarterback going through the spring decides to transfer to Penn State or Michigan. Right. <laughs> I think we'll find out really quick that that rule is going to be connected. So uh, just give it some time. Indeed. So let, let's stay on the Charlie Jones theme, Doc. Uh, how big of a hold uh, is his departure? Uh, he's going to be a boiler, but uh, won't be a hawk. How big of a blow is that? I think it's actually a bigger blow for the offense than it is for special teams. I mean, I know he's been he was outstanding in that area and and. Uh, you know, as Big Ten returner of the year, but I think they've got other candidates who can mitigate that quite a bit. And, and as we've seen in the past, I mean, Amir Smith-Marset ranks second all time in in the kickoff return average. Uh, Desmond King was one of the better kick returners they've ever had. So I think somebody like Cooper DeGene or Arlen Bruce are going to be able to walk in there and and do a nice job. Maybe Riley Moss as well. But uh, offensively, I think that's where their some of their challenges lie, is because they they don't have a lot of depth. And you look in the spring, and you know the most of the receivers that were out there were, were walk-ons most of the time. I mean, Arlen Bruce and Charlie Jones were the only two scholarship guys that got to really get a lot of snaps. So I think that's uh, that's something that I would consider very concerning is that you had a guy that's been in the offense for several years, three plus years, and then he leaves, and he's you know a vital member has a lot of uh, snaps from last year. Now. In performance, uh, probably not as big of a deal, but I think just overall being on the field and being able to do certain things, I think it will you know, hurt Iowa's offense and passing attack. So we know Reganey, he can do some things in the slot. He's made plenty of plays throughout his career. Arlen Bruce and Johnson, you think those guys are going to take leaps. Out of that next tier, and there's only three other guys to even talk about, Vines, Barodi Brecht, and Bostic. Who would you take out of that group to even have a chance here, or, or are you going walk on? You going away from the scholarship mm-hmm. guys and, and looking for that fourth and fifth receiver? It's strange, uh, Trent, because I don't know that I could just say this one receiver works because they play kind of exclusive positions or close to it. Mm-hmm. You know, Brody Brecht is tall and fast, and you know, kind of an X receiver, and Charlie Jones didn't necessarily play that position very much. So, I think he may be the next guy in but he's also not necessarily that position, so he might need to move some guys around. And sometimes they do that, and sometimes they don't. It just depends on the player. I really like. I really want to see more out of Bostic. I mean, coming in, he's really fast. He's kind of reminds me of uh, Amir. And if he can showcase that kind of speed, I don't think he's got that much speed. But if he can play like that, then you got to get somebody like that on the field. He does play more of the Z position. So uh, I would expect... Um, five, maybe more to actually get snaps until they kind of settle on a rotation. I think I think Caden Weijin is going to have a real opportunity as a punt returner and, and play in that role that Charlie Jones had because Iowa has used a lot of pretty good walk-ons over the years. I mean, Nick Easley was really good. Riley McCarron, both of those two got, you know, looks at the NFL. And, and then, uh, you know, Charlie Jones did a really nice job too. So my expectation is there's going to be 
five, maybe six guys and get a real good crack at, at playing some time. Doc, I really enjoyed the piece. I believe it published uh, yesterday uh, on the uh, incoming freshmen and who may see playing time right away. I'll tell you, we look at the the uh, guys that uh, have their name on the marquee already, right? Wampka and of course Graves, etc. Knew those guys, but I didn't uh, know the story of this. And I'm gonna. I hope I've got his name right. Entringer is that how you say it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, played both ways. Um, receiver and a DB, but man, oh man, you salivate a little bit when you got a six-two defensive back. Uh, you compared him uh, perhaps to Mari Spavay, who you could leave out on an island, and you knew he was going to make a play or make the tackle. What about this entering your kid? Uh, could he play right away, or at some point this I year? Think yeah, I think there's a really good chance. I could see him ending up on special teams, and he might have the opportunity to kind of work in as. You know, this year it's going to be really tough no matter how good you are to get into that defense because there's just so deep. Mm-hmm. And the two that are there right now on the back and, you know, in Wampa and, and Hall are, are very, very good. But I think in, in entering her has a real chance to make an, an impression right away and potentially get in. You know, maybe in 2023 he could make the depth chart or close to it. In 2024, maybe even start. Uh, I, I could see him ending up on special teams and, and whether that's as a full-timer or, or a guy in, in four games, uh, but I think he's he's got a really good opportunity. And then the other one, uh, Deshaun Lee, who is the late signing, um, and watching him, he's he's really fascinating to me because he carries himself a lot like Desmond King, and I'm not going to compare him on the field to Desmond. That's, that's rare error, but uh, just his uh, tenacity and toughness and you know, he covers guys, I thought, kind of like Manny Rugamba. So he's got a chance, too. It's just um, that's such a deep secondary, and yep. it's hard for guys to get in there unless there's hope. Cooper DeGene, one of those guys, you wonder about his spot. If wide receiver continues to be an issue, you put Cooper DeGene over there, play a little wide receiver. He's such a playmaker. We we anticipate he's going to be returning kicks. Just watching him at the high school level, he's he's become kind of this almost mythical feature out there of what, what he could do. Could you see something, and if it's not DeGene, somebody from the defensive side of the ball moving over and at least putting some kind of package together? A package? No. Um, somebody moving over and playing receiver? Sure, I could see that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, how... <laughs> 2016 was such a dreadful year in the passing offense for Iowa. It was as bad as any year I could ever remember, you know, for the, in the history of football. <laughs> Not just a little bit hyperbolic there, but uh, but all of us were clamoring for Desmond King to slide over yep. and play some wide receiver. That that didn't happen. Now, what I could see is a backup, um, you know, and I'm you know I won't even mention names just because I don't want to get a rumor started or mm-hmm. something. But you know, I could see somebody on the second or even the third team uh, defensive back saying, you know what, I got a, there's an opportunity over there at, at wide receiver. I'm going to give that a shot first. Maybe even give it a maybe some of these incoming guys. You know, even an entringer, you know, for instance, could say, let me give that a shot. Mm-hmm. Um, see what I could do. And if if not, then. You know, okay, well, there's always next year and the rest of your career. But uh, Greg Maben kind of went that path. Uh, Josh Jackson went that path. And, and it would be it would behoove Iowa if they feel like they are so depleted at that position to, to, to exhaust all opportunities, potentially even among def- uh, running backs. But that said, uh, Iowa doesn't do packages very well for right. individual players. We, we've seen that over the years. Doc, last thing for me. What um, when we look back at this year? What, what? How will we? What will we have seen from Aaron Graves in his freshman campaign? How much will he contribute? Do you think? 
mean, you look at the kid. My God, he looks like he's an upperclassman already physically. What do you expect? Well, let, if, if we let's say that there are very few injuries, so it's a, it's a true rotation mm-hmm. and there's no issues there. And I'll, I'll say he's going to play probably 15 snaps a game. And and that's with a defensive line that is as deep as I've ever seen there. I mean, they can legitimately go eight, nine, ten deep and not feel like they're really having a lot of drop offs. So I still think he's good enough where he'll get on the field and play. He's just that dominant. He's that physically gifted uh, at this stage of his career. He looks like a twenty one year old as opposed to get walking on campus for the first time. So I think that's uh, I think he'll get more in the. 15 uh, range and and then you know next year you'll you won't have Noah Shannon or John Wagner and and you'll find a, a path to probably if not start certainly rotate heavy snaps at that point. Doc, you also dip your toe in from time to time on the Iowa State side of things and a couple weeks ago the Iowa State caravan came through Cedar Rapids. You stopped on out. Your biggest takeaway or two after hearing from the coaches and athletic director Jamie Pollard when the Cyclones were on the east side of the state. Yeah, and and I'm I'm just finished actually their state of the program story that comes out next Monday. Oh, so nice. um, yeah, I do I do some Iowa State, and I, I thought what was kind of fascinating to me a couple of areas. One is uh, Jamie Pollard was you know kind of emphasized that there won't be divisions in the next iteration of the Big Twelve, you know, with the twelve teams, and uh, you know he's not real sure what. You know, if there is going to be any protected rivalries or if there are, what, what the number is going to be. And so I thought that was kind of fascinating. The other part is, and this is just being kind of being in the, the money weeds, but just the fact that he didn't have to borrow any money from the university to get through that COVID year hmm. and was able to pay out of reserves and, and do all the, the juggling that he was able to do, I thought was really impressive by Iowa State. And, and it kind of shows you the difference between the two schools where Iowa it was $45 million in the hole. Uh, you know, so I think, you know, kudos to him, but I think it also shows Iowa State's on pretty firm financial ground, and it's going to need some of that when it goes forward in the Big 12 and, and just depending on what the media rights looks like. So that's really kind of my primary takeaways there. Uh, in talking to Matt Campbell for the State of the Program story, which, which again, airs next week or runs next week, um, I was I was struck by how positive he was about certain players and, and positions, and obviously, you know, we all know with Iowa State some of the strengths. Uh, you know, Will McDonald is is going to be outside of Will Anderson, probably the best pass rusher in the country. And uh, but I think there's a lot of positivity around Hunter Deckers and uh, the backfield. Um, you know, Cartavicious uh, uh, Norton, I think, could be or Cartivius. I'm sorry, Norton could be. Uh, you know, yeah, I, I think he might be the next in line with mm. you know after Brees Hall. Wow. So look for him to, he, you know, like Reese Hall did as a true freshman. He kind of elevated there in, in the first month, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if Norton does that. Interesting. Well, I think there's an opportunity there for him. I, I really do. Jirel Brock uh, uh, is going to go into the year as the expected starter, but uh, we shall see. Doc, great stuff. That comes out next Monday. Anything hitting this week you'd like to talk about? <laughs> yeah, I'm ranking the, the 12 games right now uh, for the Iowa schedule just kind of by – appeal and uh, i'm looking into some iowa recruiting statewide on some things so that's part of our recruiting blitz coming out this week but uh, i don't have a day set yet but so yeah it's going to be a busy week here it usually is we don't take days off uh you know very often and and so yeah but it should be a fun one uh, it's about this time of year we usually have this conversation um we'll finish on this will there be a 
night game at Kinnick? Well, yeah, Nevada's a night game. <laughs> I mean, they already scheduled Oh, they that. did? Yeah. Oh, okay. So what time is that, yeah. 6? Uh, I mean, a real one. Is there a Big Ten game that goes underneath the lights? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. You know, that's the thing. I, I mentioned to everybody that Fox is the number one prime, uh, rights holder, and Fox is the one that determines that the big new kickoff is their primetime game, is their main game. So mm-hmm. you would look at four or five years ago, you would have said Michigan-Iowa under the lights for sure. Yeah. Um, unless it's an ABC game. Yeah, if it's on Fox, it's going to kick off at eleven. So, um, B- know, BTN still has the six o'clock window, do they not? Yeah, and then that—that's why they—that's uh, why the Nevada game is going to ah, be gotcha. BTN on September seventeenth. Good stuff, Scott Dockerman. Appreciate it as always, Doc. Have a great week. Talk to you next Monday. Thank you. All right. Thanks, guys. Good to talk to you. Scott Dockerman, as we catch up on the Hawks, well, fascinating. So if they're going to stay with two, for sure. Mm-hmm. So who are you going to get? Who, who gets left out? I mean, Floyd's as good a trophy as there is in college football. Nebraska has to have one. You have to. Are we going back to the well again where Wisconsin's left off like if it was I, with If I leaders? had to bet. And who doesn't want to see that game every year? Garibarda, you've been there a long time. This is something that your athletic department needs. This is something that your family needs. Die on wants. this hill, is this that what is, you're saying? Use that equity well, that you it. have and say we get... All right, if everybody else wants two, we want three. Uh-huh. Because Indiana and Purdue, they still get to play every year. Mm-hmm. They are the protected rivals in each different divisions. They allow that. So allow Iowa to have three. If everybody else gets two, Iowa can have three. Why not? I, I totally agree with you. Those I mean, rivalry you games leave are, out? Right. They're too good to leave out. Right. The Minnesota one's the most important to me. Uh-huh, because of where you grew up. But you go to Dubuque, and it's uh-huh. Wisconsin. Yep. And you go to Omaha, and Council Bluffs, mm-hmm. it's Nebraska. And here, it's Iowa State. But everybody has theirs. And Iowa, it is a different university than most of Rutgers, just make them right? Well, look, there's a reason that they that very quickly they identified Nebraska and Iowa as a game that's going to take place on Black Friday. Exactly. And Nebraska so that's had not a history. going away. Right. And you just... That's locked in. Yeah, so it comes down to Minnesota or Wisconsin, and you don't want to give up either. No, absolutely not. And you'll still play those teams often, more often than the yeah, old but, setup. Right, but play it, play it every, every year, year. Every year it has to happen. We are running out of hour. We've got to get a break in. Let's do it. It's Miller and Condon, 106. com. Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back. Very short segment here to finish the first hour of the program. So Chris Andrews, our friend at the South Point, hopefully we'll get him tomorrow. Mm -hmm. They release their games of the year in college football. And the game that means the most of us, obviously, is the Cyhawk. They, at the South Point, set the number at Iowa as a 13-point favorite. Mm -hmm. Safe to say briefly. Yes. uh, Chris responded to me after I put out the tweet with those lines and said, Within a few hours, they were already back to a touchdown. Uh, That's crazy movement. And when Chris puts those numbers up, he's not just allowing people to bet tens of thousands of dollars either. It's a pretty low limit. Right. I, I want to say maybe 1500 something like that is the limit early in those games. That shows you how quickly maybe how many people oh. jumped on the Cyclones right away. Ah, unbelievable. I'd like to have a Cyclone Plus 13 ticket in my pocket right now. <laughs> We will uh, switch gears. Baseball conversation. Ryan Fagan from South Point. Speaking of Iowa State, Nick Olson. He covers them for CycloneAlert.com. He'll join us at about 11.30. Trends play of the day from Circus Sports. That's the next hour of the program on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO.